Chapter 12 of Bill Nye's Cordwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by L.T. Bill Nye's Cordwood by Bill Nye. Chapter 12 Bill Nye Incubates. My dear son, we are still pegging along here at home in the same old way, your mother and me. We are neither of us real well, and yet I suppose we are as well as folks at our time of life could expect to be. Your mother has a good deal of pain on her side all the while, and I'm off my feed more or less in the morning. Doc has fixed me up some condition powders that he says will straighten me out right away. Perhaps so. Doc has straightened out a good many people in his time. I wish I had as many dollars as he has straightened out people. Most every spring I've had to take a little dandelion root limbered up with gin, but this year that didn't seem to get there, as the boys say. I fixed up a dose of it and took it day and night for a week till I wore that old dandelion root clear down to skin and bone, but in ten days my appetite was worse than ever and I had a head on me like a two-year-old colt. Dandelion root never served me that way before, and your mother thinks that the goodness is all out of it, maybe. It's the same old dandelion root I've been using for twenty years, and I believe that when you've tried a thing and it's proved good, you oughtn't to change off. I tried to get your mother to take a dose of it last week for the pain on her side. Fixed up a two-quart jug of it for her, but she can't bear the smell of gin, so I had to take it myself. Dandelion is a great purifier of the blood, Henry. Some days after I've been taking this dandelion root for an hour or two, I feel as if my blood was pretty near pure enough. Feel like a new man. You know I wrote you last winter, Henry, that I was going to buy some new-fangled hens in the spring and get into the egg business? Well, I sent east in March for a couple of fowls, one of each sect. They came at nine dollars per pair over and above railroad charges, which was some four thirty-five more on top of that. I thought that as soon as the hen got here and got her things off and got rested, she would proceed to lay some of these here high-priced eggs, which we read about in the poultry keeper's guide and American Eggist. But she seemed pensive, and when I tried to get acquainted with her, she would cluck in a croupy tone of voice and go away. The rooster was no doubt a fine-looking brute when he was shipped but when he got here he strolled around with a preoccupied air and seemed to feel above us. He was a polka-dot rooster with gray mane and tail, and he was no doubt refined, but I did not think he should feel above his business, for we are only plain people who are accustomed to the self-made American hen. He seemed bored all the time, and I could see by the way he acted that he pined to be back in Fremont O, having his picture taken for the poultry keeper's guide and American eggist. He still yearned for approbation, he was used to being made of, as your mother says, and it galled him to enter into our plain humdrum home life. I never saw such a hardy rooster in my life. Actually, when I got out to feed him in the morning, he would give me a cold, arrogant look that hurt my feelings. I know I'm not what you would call an educated man, nor a polished man, though I claim to have a son that is both of said things, but I hate to have a rooster crow over me because he has had better advantages and better breeding than I have so there was no love lost between us, as you can see. Directly, I noticed that the hen began to have spells of vertigo. She would be standing in a corner of the hen retreat, reverting to her joyous childhood at Fremont O, when all at once she would fall senseless to the earth and there lie prone upon the sward, to use the words of a great writer whose address has been mislaid. She would remain in this comatose condition for between five minutes, perhaps. Then she would rally a little, slowly pry open her large mournful eyes and seem to murmur, Where am I? 
I could see that she was evading the egg issue in every way and ignoring the great object for which she was created. With the ability to lay eggs from worth $4 to five seventy-five per dozen delivered on the cars, I could plainly see that she proposed to roll up this great talent in a napkin and play the invalid act. I do not disguise the fact, Henry, that I was mad. I made a large rectangular affidavit in the inner temple of the horse barn that this poker-dot hen should never live to say that I had sent her to the seashore for her health when she was eminently fitted by nature to please the public with her lay. I therefore gave her two weeks to decide on whether she would contribute a few of her meritorious articles or insert herself into a chicken pie. She still continued haughty to the last moment. So did her partner. We therefore treated ourselves to a nine-dollar dinner in April. I then got some expensive eggs from the effort east. They were not robust eggs. They were laid during a time of great depression, I judge. So they were that way themselves also. They came by express and were injured while being transferred at Chicago. No one has traveled over that line of railroad since. I do not say that the eggs were bad, but I say that their instincts and their inner life wasn't what they ought to have been. In early May I bought one of these incubators that does the work of ten setting hens. I hoped to head off the hen so far as possible, simply purchasing her literary efforts and editing them to suit myself. I cannot endure the society of low-bred hen, and a refined hen seems to look down on me, and so I thought if I could just get one of them automatic incubators, I could have the whole process under my own control. And if the blooded hands want to go to the sanitarium and sit around there with their hands in their pockets while the great hungry world of traffic clamor for more spring chickens fried in butter, they might do so and be doggoned. Thereupon I bought one of the medium-sized two-story hatchers and loaded it with eggs. In my dreams I could see a long procession of fuzzy little chickens marching out of my little incubator arm in arm every day or two while my bank account swelled up like a deceased horse. I was dreaming one of these dreams night before last at midnight's holy hour when I was rudely awakened by a gallon of cold water in one of my ears. I arose in the darkness and received a squirt of cold water through the window from our ever-watchful and courageous fire department. I opened the easement for the purpose of thanking them for this little demonstration, wholly unsolicited on my part, when I discovered the henry was in flames. I went down to assist the department, forgetting to put on my pantaloons, as is my custom out of deference to the usages of good society. We saved the other buildings, but the hatchery is a mass of smoldering ruins. So am I. It seems that the kerosene lamp which I kept burning in the incubator for the purpose of maintaining an even temperature, and also for the purpose of showing the chickens the weight of the elevator in case they should hatch out in the night, had torched up and ignited the hatchery, so to speak. I see by my paper that we are importing 200 million of hen's eggs from Europe every year. It'll be 300 million next year so far I'm concerned, Henry and you can bet your little pleated jacket on it, too, if you want to. Today I send P.O. order number 143876 for $3.50. I agree with the Bible that the fool and his money are soon parted. Your father, Bill Nye End of chapter 12